Before we begin, we want to give a shout out to new Patreon subscriber Jason Figueroa. Thanks so much for supporting the show. If you want to see how you can support the show and get rewarded with more bloody goodies, make sure to check out patreon.com slash bedisgustingpod. First call. Hey, y'all. It's Stefan from uh, St. Paul calling once again. Yeah, Megan, I loved uh, how you mentioned the uh, Fear Street movies that are coming out of Netflix. Uh, yeah, I kind of forgot about those. It's been a long time coming. I've uh, you know been big Fear Street fan, four years big R.L. Stein fan overall. Uh, yeah, I always thought that it would be that Fear Street would have been a good adaptation for the CW. Uh, anyways, my question is, what other young adult novels from your child? And this is also for for John and Zena as well. What other young adult novels from your youth do you think would make good horror movie adaptations, specifically horror novels? Uh, yeah, there was, for me, The Babysitter by R.L. Stein, which I think is getting adapted to a TV show. I think it would be great. And then uh, Eye Candy, which was technically adapted to a show on MTV, but it was only an adaptation in name only, had nothing to do with the book. The book would make for a great limited series. Uh, Yeah, anyways, keep up the great work. And yeah, bye. Thanks, Stefan. Uh, Unfortunately, I don't have a good answer for this because I didn't read horror, like young adult horror novels growing up or now. Um, So... I'm going to have to hand this one off to Megan and or Zena. Well, I am going to have to hand this one off to Megan because <laughs> like you, I mean, because there's there was goosebumps as a kid, but then we had the series and stuff. So, yeah. Okay, Megan, help us. Tell us. Help us. I'm going to, I feel like the more I talk, the more I might spark Zena's memory um, because I feel like. She talked about Lois Duncan before, so I'm oh, surprised. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ah. See? But I, didn't, but I didn't read that as a kid, though. You know? Well, you can... I'll throw some out, and then that might inspire some some books on, on your part. But uh, obviously, Arl Stein's covered, I feel. Uh, Christopher Pike is starting to get covered. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely with The Midnight Club. Um, Mike Flanagan's turning that into a TV show. Um But the first Pike book that I ever read as a kid that started my obsession with buying all of the Christopher Pike books was Monster. And just to give you an idea of why I think maybe some of these books have not been adapted yet until now is just how wild they go. They're just unrestrained madness. So Monster opens with a teen girl walking into a party with a shotgun gunning down partygoers and she gets arrested and in jail she tells another teen like or or her stories that these people were no longer humans Mm. but she's not wrong she's not wrong at all Mm. uh there's there's all sorts of crazy stuff that that he throws into the mix too like the native american um guide kind of poltergeist style but yeah i remember loving that and it's nuts. Uh, just the plot alone is like, yeah, it's kind of a touchy subject for people to tackle, but I think you could definitely make that relevant. Um, and then Scholastic had a um, a series like dedicate like a, a line dedicated to horror called Point Horror. So obviously that's where Arl Stein technically got his start. Uh, Christopher Pike. If you did something like Trick or Treat, like Richard Tankersley Cusick was another popular 90s ho- young adult horror author. Um, Trick or Treat was 
a teen gets murdered on Halloween night in her bedroom, and then a year later, a new family moves in, and the killer is obviously still on the loose. So that's, mm-hmm. like, fun. Um, Carolyn B. Cooney was another horror author um, that did a lot of stuff in the late 80s, early 90s, young adult style. Um, there was one that was the face on the milk carton, where teen sees her face oh, on the yeah. milk carton That's and did not know. Yeah, yeah, but I'm like, her, she did a whole, awesome. like, series that, you know, I went with the one that I thought people would know, like, Xena, I was pretty sure she would know that one. Um, so, yeah, I feel like there's an untapped market for bonkers, off-the-wall 90s YA horror that it's like, throw, throw them all into the mix, like, you know, dig more into Christopher Pike, yeah. but go beyond Pike and R.L. Stein. Yeah. Well, and with that adaptation news that uh, we were talking about last week, it's been so long, I can't remember if it was last week or two <laughs> weeks ago, uh, it, it also seems like it's opening the door to the adaptation possibilities of, like, R-rated adaptations. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's what I'm talking about, this untapped, unrestrained, like, book. No, parents did not... Oh, she's reading. That's cool. They had no idea I was reading about kids getting gunned down, lots of premarital sex. I mean, one Christopher Pike book was about... I, I'm going to botch this, but I'm I'm close. It's, she wanted... She, she needed to get an abortion because she was knocked up, but then like the ghost of her unborn baby came back to haunt her and Whoa. all sorts of other crazy stuff happened. And like, yeah. The stuff that I was reading was probably really adult content just like coked out for teens it was weird so yeah i feel like it makes sense that the one coming out soon is rated r it should be probably so it's like um when people talk about like oh like a true stephen king adaptation like whenever especially like for it yeah because of the kid orgy it's like like but they took the material and they're like "Mm, no let's go with it let's see what happens yeah, okay. well, you can you can get away with anything in book form. I I mean, nobody's it's true. Nobody's paying attention to what people are reading. People are paying attention to what you're watching. Until people started buying Fifty Shades of Grey, and then like uh, e readership exploded on that because of the embarrassment of having the soft cover version of Fifty Shades of Grey that you were reading in public. Yeah, you need a good cover. Christopher Pike books and even the Fear Street novels—they always yeah. had amazing covers. Nice. All right, welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone. The podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And to discuss the disgusting, you know her as lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic and journalist Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hi. And you can't see her laughing right now, but I can. You know her from her YouTube channel and, re- and website, Real Queen of Horror, and her infinite love for the genre, Zena Dixon. Hey, Zena. Hello. I'm sorry. I almost spilled, <laughs> I almost spilled my water. It would have been a disaster. Oh, so that's why... <laughs> You, you, you did it. Good job. She's been eating cherries and Pepsi, getting ready for the show. So, and I'm John. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror. And if not, we're going to do our quick round the table for the movies, books, games, or anything else in horror that are making the three of us smile. Maybe there'll be things that'll make you smile too. So, Zeno, what's been filling your heart this week? Hey guys, it's just been so long. I just wanted to say <laughs> hey. Oh. <Aww>. Hey. <laughs> Um, okay, so the first thing, uh, it was a first-time watch for me, and it's called Don't Be Afraid of Aunt Martha, a.k.a. The Murder Secret. It has a whole bunch of random other titles, too, but The Murder Secret sounds spicy. 
It's from 1988, <laughs> and I actually watched it on YouTube. And I recently read an article how it's like really hard to actually find like a DVD, Blu-ray, just anything on this movie. Uh. And I've never heard of it before. Um, so basically, it's about a family of four who take a long drive to Aunt Martha's house to visit her for the first time in years. Only thing is, she's not there. But the caretaker is there, and he pretty much tells them like, hey, she'll be back tomorrow. You guys can stay here, relax. But that's if they survive the night. So it is very much a slow burn movie and very bloody. At first, I thought it was going to be kind of like, you know, the typical Italian horror movies. I mean, it still has that sleaze. Like this girl takes a shower forever. <laughs> like, whoa, <laughs> you know? You are clean. Get out. Yeah, just get out of here. But no, um, but it, it does have like some tropes that you've seen before, like an Italian horror but uh, it, it takes its time, and I think that's what made me appreciate it. And um, even with the the other characters, you have, like, you know, the parents, and then they have, like, a daughter. That's the one who's taking a shower forever. She's, like, a grown woman. Like, she has to be, like, honestly, maybe, like, 22, 23, but she acts like she's 13. It's weird. Oh, no. Yeah, and then they have, like, a son, too. And I don't want to spoil anything or anything like that like because I really want to I just want to tell you everything but uh <laughs> it's this did not go in the direction that I thought it takes I want to say probably like the last half of the movie that's when you actually get like you get to see these kill scenes and they're really really brutal like at first I'm not gonna lie while watching you kind of forget that you're at least I did I forgot I was watching a horror movie because it was just like a family on vacation you know, living their best lives. But then the music would remind you, um, like, yeah, something terrible is going to happen, <laughs> which is pretty cool. But yeah, if you like Italian um, style type of horror and you haven't seen this movie, I think you can check it out. Just keep in mind, it is, it's seriously very, very slow. <laughs> very, very, I just want to be be honest about that because honestly, like I said, I, I kind of bring just, snacks. Yeah, bring Peace snacks. And warning. Just bring, just be prepared. And I recommend again, just going in with an open mind. So that was a first time watch. And then um, uh, the next thing I watch, uh, Tales from the Crypt presents a Ritual from two thousand and two. I watched it on DVD because I'm obsessed with the movie. But it's also on Amazon mm. and some other places. An American doctor encounters members of voodoo of a voodoo cult when she's summoned to Jamaica to treat a wealthy man's brother. So this one, to me, it never, ever felt like a Tales from the Crypt movie. There's no crazy gore. There's really no humor or anything like that. And you guys know that I love voodoo so much. I just love yeah. it. So I, um, yeah, I had to continue on. And I uh, recently found out that this movie is loosely based on I Walked Off a Zombie. You can definitely see some similarities uh, when you watched it. And again, um, you know, there's like different terms that they use. And we kind of spoke about that already. But... I guess the best way to describe it, it feels like a made-for-TV version of The Serpent and the Rainbow, you know, which to me huh. isn't, okay. yeah, it's not really a bad thing, and Jennifer Grey, she's in it. I really like her, you know, she's the one from Dirty Dancing Baby, so. I was, did I was anybody gonna, put her in the corner? Right, yeah, I was going to say that, but I was like, let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did it. I did it for you. Thank you. Well, I really like her performance in this movie. And it's really such a shame, like, that she, she did a lot of, like, made-for-TV movies, and I always thought that she would be, like, huge, 
huger than what she is. Yeah. You know? It's like the the nose job thing. Isn't yeah, that what they always said? Yeah. Kind of did her in because she stopped being recognizable mm-hmm. yeah, once that that's, happened. That's and, true. Yeah. That's true. And also Tim Curry, he's in it. Um, but he's Yay. just some sleazy man and we barely see him. But point is, oh. uh, it's a really great movie. It was a comfort watch for me. It just made me feel magical. So that's what Yay. I watched. Awesome. Megan. Well, I watched Anaconda's The Hunt for the Blood Orchid. Uh, this came out in 2004. It's currently on Hulu. And it follows a scientific slash pharmaceutical expedition. It's pharmaceutical. Don't listen to IMDb. Uh, they're, they're scientists in the group, but it's, it's all for money. Um, they set out for Borneo to find a blood orchid which could grant longer life. And they, of course, naturally run afoul of snakes in each other. Um, I'm going to make a bold horror statement. This I like better than the first one by far. Uh, yeah, it's, this is fun. I feel like this is what I, I want. Nothing against Anaconda because I remember seeing that in theaters and it was fun, but I hate John Voight's Scarface impersonation. (laughs) Um, and they're on the Amazon and they don't really, it doesn't look Amazon to, it looks like a river. Uh, they don't really do anything. I mean, you think of a jungle as the most biodiverse place on the in the world and uh and it's just a river and here they're in borneo and they're dealing with they get off the river because there's they literally go over a waterfall and there's spiders that cause paralysis if you get bitten and then there's like leeches and then there's this cute monkey that keeps trying to warn them that there's snakes uh and they don't listen and they obviously there's a bad guy among among the bunch um and then there's multiple anacondas and this blood orchid at least gives an explanation for why they're so big it's because it causes longer life and and then you've got characters that i like like there's a character that reminds me a lot of roger from night of the demons um his name is cole and he is terrified to be there and he's screaming about how he doesn't want to ever see this snake orgy ball that that is happening because the whole premise is that there's well not the whole premise but like the whole plot is that these these male anacondas are gathering to mate it's mating season which is why there are so many is this the one with morris chestnut yes okay and it's like uh there's um, apologies for being so reductive but it's like led by action guy and I don't yeah. know his name, but I feel like I've seen him in so many the, B movies as like the lead chiseled jaw. Yeah, he, it, they are very archetypical characters. So yeah. that's Johnny Messner, the actor, Th- and you. he yeah. is the the two like too cool. I'm going mm-hmm. to lead you on this expedition, and it's my boat. And yeah, like the the characters are very silly, but. I don't care because the characters are very silly in the first one. So if you're on board with that um, and you don't have anybody doing a Scarface impersonation in this one. um, And like I said, you've got the snakes that causes like the venom causes paralysis. You've got the leech thing. You've got Cole with his humor more than making up for uh, for, you know, Johnny Mesner. And then you've got like this other woman who's the pharmaceutical higher up that's funding a lot of it and all she wants is a shower and i feel for her 
So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like this is more of an adventure that you kind of think that you're going to get with the first one. And it's the first one's really more of a snake slasher movie with John Voight being ridiculous. So if you like Anaconda, then give this one a shot because it is fun. Um, So, yeah, I like the variety. And then I totally change gears, but also on Hulu, I watched The Alchemist Cookbook. It's a 2016 release. And it is this really tiny micro-budget horror movie that follows uh, Sean. He is an outcast. Um, He's he's a self-imposed outcast who's living in a trailer out in the woods, uh, just trying to dabble in alchemy with his cat Casper as his sole (laughs) companion and a guy named Cortez who brings him supplies and meds. And obviously his chemistry turns from uh, alchemy to black magic and... He awakens something crazy in the woods. Um, it's it's a really, it's a short, short movie. It's like less than an hour and a half. Um, but it's really only these two characters. And really, it's only Sean. Cortez shows up here and there. And it's, so you have to be on this kind of weird idiosyncratic wavelength that the movie has. Like, it, there is definitely horror. There's definitely a whole lot of absurdist humor. It doesn't quite tell you what's going on. It kind of leaves it open for you to go two different directions to decide what's happening. Um, But I really like it. I I think it's such an odd little movie done really, really well. There's some pretty cool kind of minor effects that look amazing. Um, But yeah, it's an odd movie, but but it's, it's, it's a good movie. So yeah, I've seen it before and, you know, totally unrelated to watching this. They have paper dolls for this movie. Like us, this was an oscilloscope release um, back in 2016. And part of their release tie in was that you could like go download paper dolls of uh, Sean and Cortez. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they're still there. You can still find them. So, well, also, everything's better with paper dolls. I was just going to say when I saw that you um, watched that movie, I was hoping we can talk about it because. Even though it's like, I have no idea what was happening the whole time. You know, I, felt- <laughs> I have two theories. I mean, I I know what's happening. Well, once you get to the end, you kind of have a yeah. clue. But I obviously can't talk about it because that would be spoiler Spoilers. territory. But yeah. I actually own it on Blu-ray. It was just like, oh, it's on Hulu. I'm going to watch it now. Funny how that works. I know. <laughs> but yeah, I'm well- glad you like it too. I started out with Megan's pick, 1988's Don't Panic, available on Shudder. On his 17th birthday, Michael is given a present of a Ouija board by Tony, his best friend. Tony uses a medium known only to him as Virgil, unwittingly unlocking the evil forces of the board. Soon there's a wave of violent killings and the chief suspect appears to be Michael. He's been witness to all the killings via premonitions and out-of-body experiences. Is Michael the killer? Can he prove his innocence? Or is someone else being possessed by the evil spirit? (laughs) Thanks, IMDB, on that one. All right, Megan, why this one? Because it's fun. And (laughs) he's, like, it's so out there. He runs around in the best PJs ever that nobody his age would ever wear, but I want them. Uh, to be fair, I did go on Vinegar Syndrome to see if I could buy the pajamas, and I could not. Oh, Are no. they sold out again? Uh, the shop was closed or something. Oh, uh, they just I... had their halfway uh, yeah. sale, so they shut down. 
Yeah, I think I just missed it on that one. Not that I really missed out on having that set of PJs because it's oh, like 100 degrees in Minnesota right now and I don't need but you could save long it. sleeve Maybe PJs. we can yeah. open it and just wear just... it and be triplets. Yes. I haven't gotten them yet either, but I want them. This is, um, yeah, this is a movie. Uh, it is a movie. It's I okay. I see the parallels that people draw to Nightmare on Elm Street. Like I get that tone, uh, even like tonally, like the music wise, like even like synth music wise, and Evil Spirit and things like that. And I don't know that I necessarily would have watched it and thought, oh, they're ripping off Nightmare on Elm Street. No, it's it's not a rip off. More of like. A clear influence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It was very, very strange. I was very confused during a lot of it. Like, there's. I'm also. I was also confused because was this a Spanish language remake? Because well, there's voiceover dubbing, but it looks like the actors are speaking English. They. It's. It's a Mexican-made movie that they're. They're trying to make. For English, like they're trying to break into okay. like the American market, so they just dubbed the over time. their actors. It's like a lot of Italian, English. where they're they're clearly mm-hmm. speaking English too, you know, but they're sure. having to ADR over it. Yeah, there's just some bananas scenes. Like, I mean, like mom being an, an alcoholic is <laughs> definitely that was actually the biggest tie into Nightmare on Elm Street that I had. Yeah. But they're really like hit you in the face with it, talking about her alcoholism, like talking to the doctor, and she's like. Well, doctor, I am an alcoholic. And then the scene ends. Matter of fact. <laughs> where, where are we going with that? Nothing? That's all we get? So it was um, it was very, very weird. Uh, yeah. There's, yeah, it's a movie. I, I didn't I will... dislike it, but it's. Oh, I'm, I'm highly entertained by it, but I will say that this is my least favorite of his, because he did three horror movies in the 80s. This is the only English speaking one. Um, but I like the other ones way more. So if you had fun with this one, like I'm gonna have to see if cemetery of terror is available somewhere. Cause I love that one. I've talked about that one before. I would be curious to see his other works like pairing this against it because it was, there was just a lot of things that really distracted me during the movie itself. So I was just kind of confused by, Really, just a lot of what was going on in the first place. What I thought was crazy. A lot of, a lot of the friendship interactions was very confusing. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't mean to stay on the pajamas, but what I thought was crazy. Is <laughs> he just kept wearing those same pajamas. Like, he, I don't even know For if he so washed long. them. Like, he would just put them on, you know? And it's just like, okay, running around in the streets, you know? I guess. Was there a scene where somebody called that out to, like, made fun of his pajamas, but he just kind of blows past it? Good for him. He's yeah, not going to cave to peer pressure. I mean, it's on Shutter. It's low barrier to entry. It's really weird. And if my reaction is at all captivating to you, go check it out. Because it's... <laughs> if, if my reaction is captivating, it's a movie. It's That's a not movie. a selling point. That is this not is a, a selling point for people. <laughs> well, for some people. Some people are just looking for something to watch. Uh, and then I followed it up with... <laughs> 2018's In Fabric on Tubi. 
In Fabric is a haunting ghost story set against the backdrop of a busy winter sales period in a department store and follows the life of a cursed dress as it passes from person to person with devastating consequences. All right, Zena, why this one? Okay, because it's both ridiculous and just unnerving. There's just something so mesmerizing about it where I just, I couldn't stop. And it's like, I know that it is meant to be like a, a black comedy horror so once you know that, then everything is fine because there's some stuff there that's just like, okay, wait, what? And yeah, okay. So I wish we I... had a camera like <laughs> so you could see John's face. Uh-huh. How much whites of my eyes were visible during moments of this. You should have seen me watching the movie. I wish I, I could've thought I thought this was a David Lynch movie. I sincerely, there was like such heavy David Lynch vibes of some of the interactions, especially the way the store clerks just talk and like carry themselves. I'm like, I don't think they're people, whether they're people or not is subjective, I think, in this movie. (laughs) But like, it's like they're not talking to the person they're talking to. And any scenes that exist within the department store are so strange and surreal. Yeah. It feels like either it's a direct homage to David Lynch or this guy's the next David Lynch. Because I would vote it that. is yeah. Strickland. He's he's got some odd style. And uh, I'm gonna be honest with you, I would never shop there. Just because <laughs> like the, the workers, they're weird. And aren't they like witches? There's like witches, there's that that fancy possessed dress, and it's just like that dress is really not even that cute. And then there's like a, a secret like pervert with a fetish and it's just like what's happening like why do we have to see this you know yeah that's something i didn't need on film personally i was just kind of like wait are they gonna are they gonna show oh they showed it uh, all right okay there's some really weird mannequin stuff yeah some it's just strange and then the girlfriend is the worst that girlfriend gwen oh my gosh yeah Yeah. it's crazy terrible i was rooting for something bad to happen to her she was pretty terrible and then, like, and I was really, it, it was one of those things where it was equal parts kind of unsettling because it is so weird and surreal and the relationships are so uncomfortable. Like, the first date that the star or that the, the, the protagonist, Sheila, the yeah. original protagonist of the movie goes on is so awkward yeah. and sad. And then the movie, like, because it's like uh, two hours, ten minutes mm-hmm. or so, like an hour and a half into it. It just takes a hard left turn. Right? And it's like, wait, what What are you doing? What happened? It's like, it so was weird. such a, so out of the blue. I always felt that it was too long, you know? Like, I think it should have, they should have cut that down. And I guess maybe it's supposed to be like an anthology or something, but it, I, I didn't get that vibe until honestly, like my third or fourth watch because that's, I would felt yeah. lost. Well, that's what I was getting too, but I guess I don't think of an anthology as two stories. Mm. For whatever reason in my head, that doesn't seem, that seems weird. Like the number, like two is a weird number. Yeah. Like there's three stories. Okay. I accept that. Right. Right. Well, then what story. is two? Nothing. It's nothing for me. It's nothing? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Movies must be one story or three or more. Yes. <laughs> two is not a thing. I don't remember any anthologies that just have two though. So that's why. That's like, what I'm saying. Yeah. I think that's why it threw me so much. I was so confused much. with that. But yeah, but, but the soundtrack is pretty cool. So, you know. it It's a good soundtrack. It's visually really captivating mm-hmm. to watch. 
especially the really surreal stuff that's going on in the department store and the really awkward interviews with those two uh those two managers who are just so uncomfortable about everything like talking about her handshake <laughs> and waving to the boss's mistress and things yeah. and like just the ridiculous things that you might have to talk to HR or a manager about it's where it's crazy. like are we adults no <laughs> No. So it, and I did enjoy it. It was just a very uncomfortable, it was like an uncomfortable enjoyment sort of thing. Kind of like watching David Lynch. Or like wearing high fashion dresses. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, I never, I can't imagine that this ever would have crossed my radar. So I do appreciate watching this one because I I would not have otherwise. Like at first I was going to, um, recommend to you this movie called I'm Dangerous Tonight. It's about another killer dress. But then I was just, but I was just like, no, I think that he needs high end fashion. So maybe yeah. down the line. We'll see. I don't know. We'll get to slacks next. <laughs> and then uh I wrapped it up. This is a, a rarity for me, but I watched a brand new one that was streaming and I watched 2021's The Conjuring The Devil Made Me Do It. And I'm going to completely avoid any semblance of spoilers as much as I can. You know what? Not even going to do my pseudo movie guy voice. It's the Conjuring movie. It's a new Conjuring movie. It's it's what the trailer shows it's about. Um, (laughs) I just, I don't want to dive too much into it because it's only been out for like three days on HBO. I'll watch it on HBO Max. Uh, I think it's in theaters too, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're running parallel on this one? Yep. Uh, So it's a new Ed Lorraine a Warren movie about just like the trailer shows a possessed boy commits murder. They decide to stand in his corner to try and convince the, well, the premise of the trailer is they're trying to convince the court that possession is real and that demonic possession and the devil is real. And it's a little bit misleading, I think for what the movie actually is. Because yeah. it kind of seems like it's going to be set up to be more like um, the exorcism of Emily Rose. Like a court procedural. Yeah, and it's not. Don't right. go into it thinking it's that. It's not. It's very much a conjuring movie that just has that as kind of the backdrop, like impetus of what's going on. Uh, this might actually be one of my my favorite conjuring movie, though. Oh, wow. Yeah, that actually I enjoy... makes me happy. I enjoyed this one a lot more. See, Now, I am not a big Ed and Lorraine real life fan. No, like, but I, I mean, no, nobody, I, I think most people aren't. Yeah, for the reality of what they try to present themselves as versus But know, these reality. are so different fictional versions. Oh, yeah. And and, uh, and honestly, um, uh, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga are just so charming. They have such great chemistry yeah, in these agree. movies. But there was something about this, I don't know if it was visually or plot-wise, it just, it worked better for me than watching the, at least the first two. Because I've only seen Conjuring 1 and 2. I haven't seen, and The Nun. I haven't seen Annabelle. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because I'm not interested in anything about Annabelle. Although Annabelle does kind of play a tiny itty bitty role in this movie. Technically, yes and no. I'm not going to go into it. But if you have watched uh, The Conjuring, I did write a spoiler piece that dropped on Bloody Disgusting that connects some major dots from I this did, movie. I did see that. And as a person who didn't see Annabelle, I was like, oh, that's cool. They're, they're <laughs> thinking about that stuff. Yeah. Um, plus, it has uh, the, 
I should have wrote his name down. The actor from um, Fringe, he plays John the, Noble. The, John Noble, I love him. He's such a like he's there's something about like his delivery. He very much kind of had a Walter from Fringe vibe yeah. in the movie too. Um, visual effects are really great. Uh, it's a good story. Like I enjoyed it well enough. Like if you the separation of again. The Warrens in real life versus what Hollywood is portraying and creating. I thought it was a really enjoyable movie. I had a good time with it, more so than other ones. So, yeah. And I'm not going to say anything else about the movie. Just go watch it. Whoa. And if, Yeah. And if you don't like it, that's okay, too. Because <laughs> it's free on HBO. So, before we move on, what did we watch and how do we watch it? I watch Don't Be Afraid of Aunt Martha on YouTube and Tales from the Crypt Presents Ritual on DVD, but it's also on Amazon. I watched Anaconda's The Hunt for the Blood Orchid and The Alchemist Cookbook, both on Hulu. And I watched 1988's Don't Panic on Shudder, 2018's In Fabric on Tubi, and The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It on HBO. So, before we move on, what am I watching next week? Megan goes first this time. Uh, Spider Baby? Have you seen Spider Baby? Ooh. Spider Baby? No. But I feel like, like, Xena should be uncomfortable with that. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where is it shown? Is it Tubi? Tubi, yeah. Okay, Spider Baby. Interesting. And Xena. Have you seen, uh, Pie Wacket? Am I pronouncing it wrong? No. Oh, okay. That's uh, no, one. that sounds familiar. It's you on, need to spell this it's one. It's on for Hulu. Me. It's P Y E W A C K E T. I don't believe I have. Ooh. I, uh, good. Yay. First pick. Yeah. Didn't involve high fashion. No, <laughs> it was the first no, it pick. doesn't. All right, enough about what we've been watching this week. It's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the world of horror. What's going on, Megan? So, the leads have been cast in David Slade's Dark Harvest, which is scheduled for next fall. Uh, Casey Likes and Emery Crutchfield, they've signed on to star in the adaptation of Norman Partridge's horror novel Dark Harvest. Michael Giglio is writing the adaptation, and obviously David Slade is directing. And if you aren't familiar with David Slade, he's done uh, many episodes of Hannibal. He directed Hard Candy and 30 Days of Night. Um, The book, which I absolutely love, I love Uh, It's a short one, too. The book is set during Halloween of 1963 in a small Midwestern town where teen boys eagerly square off with the butcher knife wielding October Boy, a.k.a. Old Hacksaw Face, a.k.a. Sawtooth Jack. Uh, In the film, every fall in a small town, a supernatural specter rises from the cornfields and makes its way towards the town's church, where violent gangs of teen boys hungrily await their chance to confront the legendary nightmare in an annual harvest rite of life and death. Uh, Richie Shepard lives in the shadow of his big brother, who won last year's run and earned his ticket out of town. To prove himself and join his brother, Richie pairs up with Kelly Haynes, a restless dreamer who will do whatever it takes to escape this dead-end town. Against the rules and the odds, Richie and Kelly decide to hunt down the legendary nightmare to win the run and their freedom together. And MGM has Dark Harvest currently scheduled to release on September 9th, 2022. So just in time for the Halloween season. 
appropriately. Um, have either of you two happened to have read Dark Harvest? I have not. But I remember hearing about this movie and I'm really excited about it because I love David Slade. I feel like he's super underrated. Yes. Exactly. Um, I I obviously said right at the top that I adore this book. It's super short. Very, very small town retro Halloween. Like, you know, that kind of uh, scary stories to tell in the dark had that small town yeah. Halloween vibe. Love That's that the entire movie. book. There's definitely some kind of uh, insidious stuff within the town. And just the mythology is very cool. And so like Zeta was saying, like he's an underrated director with really interesting visuals. Mm -hmm. So I'm very excited to see like his vision of this, this book. Um, and then as if we don't have enough, uh, overwhelming horror selection to watch, uh, FX is here to make our lives even harder. <laughs> they recently announced their very busy genre TV lineup. Uh, it's American horror story. The universe is getting a 10th season of the main series, but it's also getting a spinoff called American Horror Stories. The former airing on FX and the latter an exclusive to FX on Hulu portal. So American Horror Stories is going to come to FX on Hulu in July, and the 10th season of American Horror Story will premiere on FX this fall. The 10-episode 10th season will conclude. It'll wrap up on Halloween. Uh, the Ryan Murphy created spinoff series will feature one hour contained episodes uh, and the American Horror Story. I wish they had named it a little bit different because it's yeah. story and stories. Yeah. That's that's not much to, <laughs> you know, if you're reading it or listening, like, yeah, that's kind of hard. But a double feature is the theme of the original flagship show. Okay. And the spinoff is going to be 16 one hour standalone episodes delving into myths, legends and lore. And they are going to feature the American Horror Story stars you know and love. And the cast for season 10 will include the regulars, Evan Peters, Kathy Bates, Billy Lord, Ben Whitrock, Lily Robb, Leslie Grossman, and Macaulay Culkin. Throw that out in the mix. Um, and then aside from American Horror Story and stories, season three of What We Do in the Shadows is going to premiere Thursday, September 2nd. The first two episodes of the new season will premiere on FX that night, and then we're going to get 10 episodes total. Uh, and I love the the like the premise of season three. So in season three, after the shocking season two finale, we find the housemates in panic over what to do with Guillermo after this discovery that he is a, I'm redacting this in case you're not caught up. <laughs> um, but this season, the vampires are elevated to a new level of power and will encounter the vampire from which all vampires have descended. A tempting siren, gargoyles, werewolf kickball, Atlantic City casinos, wellness cults, ex-girlfriends, gyms, and supernatural curiosities galore. Plus, Colin Robinson is turning 100. Um... I just like how it gets more mundane as you go. It's like <laughs> mega powerful vampire to like ex-girlfriends in gyms. So I love Jim I Tan love Laundry. You're yeah, going to the I, Jersey Shore. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, Why the Last Man is set to premiere exclusively on FX on Hulu, Monday, September 13th. It's based on the DC comic series by Brian K. Vaughn and Pia Guerra and published by Vertigo between 2002 and 2008. Uh, why the Last Man traverses a post-apocalyptic world in which a cataclysmic event has decimated every male mammal save for one lone human. The world, the new world order of women will explore gender, race, class, and survival. And FX notes, which I do appreciate how hard they're committing to 
the concept. All episodes of the season will be directed by women, and the production has yeah. a significant number of female department heads, including both DPs, the production designer, costume designer, casting director, editors, stunt coordinator, and more. Nice. All women. Wow. <laughs> Good for them. Yeah. Uh, do you guys have any, like, base uh, for the comic series? I've never read the comic series, so I've I have no familiarity. No, I never read it. I'm way behind on American Horror Story, but I am caught up on what we do in the shadows. Well, I'm opposite. I'm caught up with American Horror Story, but so behind on what we do in the shadows, which I told you guys. So behind on both. I'm going to catch up. Give me some time, John. (laughs) No, I said I'm behind on both. I'm not judging. I can't judge. I I haven't watched American Horror Story since Roanoke. Oh, And I only watched like the first season of that. That one was insane. Roanoke or wait, was Roanoke before Cult or after? After. I, I could not tell you. It was after because I only watched like one episode of Cult and I'm like, nope, too much. Don't need this. Too cl- Nope. Yeah. I, and I'm not going to go back and watch it. Uh, but And I watched a little bit of Roanoke, but I haven't finished that one. There is just yeah, so much to watch. <laughs> yeah. So much to watch and catch up on. Uh, yeah. What? Yeah. What we do in the shadows. Yay. I love that one. <laughs> Um, and then Neil Blomkamp of District, he directed District 9. He's back this year with new supernatural horror movie, Demonic, set for theatrical, on demand, and digital release via IFC Midnight on August 20th, 2021. And the official teaser trailer for Demonic has been unleashed, and uh, it looks wild. I, did, did either of you happen yes. to catch it? Zena's yes, nodding. Yes, I did. Yep. It yep, looks amazing. I, I mean, yes, I am hooked. Um, so. Just before we talk about what we watched uh, in the trailer, the plot is a young woman who seems to be dropped into some kind of simulation wherein she appears to make contact with a demonic entity. And so it's like science fiction meets horror. Uh, She, I guess, unleashes terrifying demons when supernatural forces at the root of decades-old rift between mother and daughter are ruthlessly revealed. I did not get that from the trailer. I honestly have no idea what's going on in the trailer, and I'm all the more intrigued by that. Same. Yeah, I I didn't pick up any plot points from the trailer. Yeah. I mean, I I got some science fiction from it, Mm -hmm. you know, like, there. but you think of demonic, it sounds like such a kind of generic, um, title for a often probably overtreaded subgenre of horror like possession horror can be pretty bland sometimes i think it's too reliant on the exorcist formula this does not seem like that's the case at all yeah in this day and age a title like demonic doesn't it seems like a weird choice yeah because like you said we've got so much saturation for the genre that that doesn't really stand out amongst all the options but the trailer effectively did its job i uh yeah i'm in i'm in so um and then we'll close out on some really freaking random news well it's not random but i you know but news but probably a lot of people didn't see coming rob zombie officially confirms his next movie (laughs) is the monsters A few months back, it was reported by a site called Murphy's Multiverse that Rob Zombie would be getting back behind the camera for his next horror project in interpretation of the monsters, which would begin filming in May in Budapest. 
and it was a rumor at that time, an unconfirmed rumor. And it, it also included that the Munsters is going to be a Peacock original slash exclusive that will be open, uh, that will open day and date in theaters, much like what Warner Brothers has been doing with HBO Max, the theater and the streaming dropped the same day. Uh, and then they went on to report that Sherry Moon Zombie, Jeff Daniel Phillips will be playing Lily and Herman Munster, respectively. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, Rob Zombie's wife is going to be in one of his movies? <laughs> I know, I know. That is ridiculous. But I do I want to reiterate it. that this this is still part of the rumor portion mm-hmm. of it. So this is not official casting news. Murphy's Multiverse just at the same time said, hey, he's doing it. It's going to be filming in May in Budapest. Those are the two that would be playing Lily and Herman Munster. And uh, Richard Brake, Dan Robit, uh, George Garcia, and Cassandra Peterson a.k.a. Elvira, were rumored to be part of this cast. Uh, Yeah, okay. Well, it's official now, because Zombie took to Instagram to confirm the rumors. He wrote, Attention, boils and ghouls. The rumors are true. My next film project will be the one I've been chasing for 20 years. The Munsters. Stay tuned for exciting details as things progress. So I do want to note before we dig into all of this that Zombie is a massive Monsters fan. He has been chasing this down, like he said in his uh, Instagram um, post, that it's 20 years that he's been trying to get this. And he's such a massive fan that he joined uh, Eddie Munster Butch Patrick for a commentary track for film Monsters Go Home on Blu-ray um, by Scream Factory last year. So yeah, and if you do have you have no clue what the monsters are, you can watch the original <laughs> series on Peacock. Now, yeah, I I would be shocked at this point if the the rumors of Sherry Moon being Lily Munster were untrue. Mm-hmm. He said, I I don't think he's done a movie that she hasn't been in. Not that I can think of. No. Zeta's. I didn't say anything. I just smiled. I know, but you're you are giggling. <laughs> Share with the have, class. I don't have anything against uh, Rob Zombie. Sometimes you I know, don't either. His movies, you know, they're a hit or miss with me. Yeah. But I think that it's really it's kind of cute that he's a big fan of the monsters. So just leave him alone. Let him do it. Like there's so I'm many not pe- complaining. No, I was gonna say because there were so many people. I remember people were outraged on Twitter about it. Wait, wait, wait. (laughs) People were outraged on Twitter? What is going on? My world is just falling apart It's just shattering. But no, you know, they were saying some stuff that was, I'm not going to lie, there was some stuff that was funny. But there was also some (laughs) stuff that's just like, hey, guys, leave him alone, you know? So, but I I don't know. I, I say just, as always, let's just give it a chance. At least watch the trailer, you know? Wait for that to come out. Get a feel for it. He might surprise people. Yeah, I can't I mean, even begin to imagine what a Rob Zombie Monsters movie is going to look like. I kind of like that, though, in yeah. a way. Because uh, Phil Nobile Jr., uh, the editor-in-chief of Fangoria, actually tweeted, um, you know, in the wake of this like official announcement that there was a Brian Fuller show. You know, he went on to do uh, Hannibal, but there was a Brian Fuller show that the pilot aired... In October, I can't remember. I think it was like 2013, maybe, or 2012. Maybe I'm way off, but it it was years ago, and it did not get picked up. But it was going to be a crazy reimagining of the monsters as well. Like Jerry O'Connell was a very human-looking Herman Munster, save for some scarring. Um, 
Eddie Izzard was Grandpa, a darker version of Grandpa. <laughs> Portia de Rossi was Lily. Um, and I cannot remember the other cast members. But, you know, so there's obviously some some fun ways to play with that material. And if he spent 20 years of his life trying to convince somebody to let him do it, and they did, I go for it. Right. I, I'm always open to the wild card. Yeah, good on you. <laughs> good on you. Sure. I mean, listen, I, I, it's low hanging fruit to make fun of Rob Zombie at this point for for his wife being in a movie and but hey, solid horror relationship. I'm all for that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like or dislike the stuff he's making or or whatever. It's like okay, give it a shot. I mean, it's the monsters. Anyone? I'm I'm sorry. The monsters had what two seasons, three seasons back in the '60s. And movies. Mm Yeah, a couple, but it's like one of those things where it's like, it's, it's not anyone who's complaining, saying it's like this treasured institution is ridiculous. Like these, like, it's like saying Gilligan's Island was treasured. It's like, no, they got rid of it mid season. I I just want to say, because this is a total aside that you could cut. Um, but (laughs) I've been watching me TV a lot lately. Like it just flips to, you know, when I'm, it's a whole other thing. But Gilligan's Island has been on a lot. And I just learned that that show, they never got off the freaking island. No. And then they had a movie. Yeah. And then they had movies later on. And they just, the the whole movies that ended it, they still went back to the mother trucking island. Which is so People did not want to leave. Yeah. Yeah. the, The escape from Gilligan's Island, they get back home. And then they go back to the island. Yeah. So, you know. It's like the fourth season of Lost. Spoilers. <laughs> We're just going to go off on tangents today. But the whole thing is, I agree with you, John. Yes. Yeah. People got to start letting go of, like, yeah. stop talking about, like, that it's some in- some valued institution as if it wasn't, as if you didn't watch that show now and say, oh, this is problematic on a lot of levels. Mm-hmm. Like, give it a reimagining. So what? And frankly, it's still I there. Like the it idea... doesn't erase, erase it. Exactly. I mean, look at the number of uh, uh, comedic directors and writers that have gone on to make these really great dramatic works, like Adam McKay and uh, Todd Phillips. I like going the other way. Show me someone who's like super into horror, and then like let's g- give them comedy. Let's see what they do with the, or at least a comedy premise. Like, I would think they should it? be able to because the comedic and horror timing and rhythm is like identical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's there. I mean, it worked for Jordan Peele pretty well. Worked for a lot of uh, uh, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride. Yeah. But anyway, so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, is that it? That's it. That's all I got. We went off on Gilligan's Island, so I'm, I'm cutting myself off here. All right, listeners, are you mad that we said the Monsters <laughs> isn't an institution? <laughs> Are you personally in love with the Rob Zombie and Sherry Moon Zombie's relationship and think that they should be in more movies? Let's hear about it. Number is 224-475-1040. The number is also in the show notes. Or feel free to email us at bedisgustingpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, Zine is going to make all our lives easier in our sea of horror movie options and clue us in on what's appearing soon that we should watch. So, Zena, what should we be watching? So, besides from Bloody Disgusting TV... I'm really of excited course. that uh, this month, June, we have so much things coming out this month. It's insane. So uh, first on Tuesday the 8th, the amusement park will be available on Shutter, directed by the iconic George A. Romero. A seemingly ordinary day at an amusement park turns into a living nightmare for an elderly man. 
also coming out on Tuesday, The Stylist. It will be available on DVD. Megan really loves this movie so much, she told us. And then also coming out on DVD and Blu-ray, Benny Loves You. I just love that title. It's such a cute little plush. <laughs> Benny Loves You. Yes. And then for Friday, uh, the 11th, we have three movies coming our way. The first one will be available in theaters, The House Next Door, Meet the Blacks 2. When best-selling author Carl Black moves his family back to his childhood home, he must team up with an oddball neighbor, oddball neighbors to battle with a pimp <laughs> who may or may not be an actual vampire. Uh, so this one has like a pretty awesome cast. You know, so yeah, if you watch the like first Bright one, Night, is this a Bright Night spoof? It's, I don't know if you guys seen the first one. I don't know if it's on Netflix not. or not. Yeah, it's just a very silly, cheesy horror movie that's just ridiculous. It plays off of all the tropes and everything. Uh, um, very Wayans Brothers. Yes, yes. So, gotcha. uh, a lot of fun. Uh, Mike Epps is in it, um, uh, Cat Williams, a whole bunch of people, whole bunch. So then next, we have Queen of Spades. It'll be available on VOD. According to a legend, an ominous entity known as Queen of Spades can be summoned by performing an ancient ritual. And then coming out on VOD, this is the last one, La Dosis, a.k.a. The Dose. So it's about this night nurse named Marcos who works at a hospital and he cares for patients in severe stages uh, for illness. Sometimes, it's his little secret, when a patient certainly won't recover, Marco helps them reach their last moment quickly. But this routine comes to shatter when Gabriel joins the staff as another nurse. Gabriel is young, attractive, and everyone is seduced by him. But soon the death rate on the ward increases when Marco realizes that Gabriel is the one killing patients, but randomly and carelessly, he decides to act quickly. But doing so puts his own identity in jeopardy. And then just in case if you missed it, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, it's available in theaters, also on uh, HBO Max. And that's the Bloody Disgusting Podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on Twitter at HauntedMeg. Xena can be found on her own site, Real Queen of Horror, and the YouTube channel of the same name, or at LovelyZena on Twitter. And you can hear me on my weekly Horror Nation podcast, Creepy. Don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app and feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BeDisgustingPod, on Facebook at The Bloody Disgusting Podcast, or drop us an email at BeDisgustingPodcast at gmail.com. And for even more content and rewards that we are recording right after this, check us out on Patreon.com slash BeDisgustingPod. So for this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. I'm Zena. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody. <laughs>